Hello, and welcome to Stasis Pod, the Gargoyles podcast. I'm uh, Central Park. <laughs> I'm Hell's Kitchen. And I'm Red Hook. We we all we all just call her we all call her Clinton now, but it's actually uh, Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, I I would say Brooklyn, but uh, that's already taken. That is taken. You could be Staten Island. They don't have a Staten Island. But there's not mm. unbearable hipsters in Staten Island. I would be where the unbearable hipsters and indie folk musicians come from. Uh, how about Queens? That's where uh, that's where the Mets play. <laughs> also, not hipsters. <laughs> and that, but that is where you go to find a queen. And also Spider Man. Oh. <laughs> All right, Spider Man's from Queens. Yeah. Uh, so yes, as is customary when we do our in between. Uh, as we are in between seasons, we're sort of sort of in between seasons here. As we are between a season and a half season of uh, of Transformers: Robots in Disguise, we decided to go ahead and do one of our between seasons episodes. Uh, in this case, uh, on Gargoyles, a show that we've been wanting to do for ages. Yes, and especially since it's now readily accessible to everybody via Disney Plus. Yes. Yes. Everyone is very excited. So, was that one of those shows where the second season had never been made available anywhere, and it was a whole thing, or was it just the third season? It was I the think it was third, third season yeah. that, that is of wonky. questionable canonicity. Yeah. Well, yes. I was also thinking about how, like, the second season of Exo Squad was pretty much entirely lost until Paramount Plus needed some random, <laughs> no, uh, Peacock needed some random content to shove on their new streaming platform, <laughs> and suddenly, after like twenty-five years, Exo Squad season two is available. Ooh. Just out of I mean, nowhere. there was definitely stuff like that on Disney Plus, like that old Spider-Man, Spider-Woman cartoon that we watched. Yes, yeah. that's that's a good point. There's, but I think the the thing is, like with the Disney stuff, it's like I don't know. I feel like people have largely not forgotten about Exo Squad, but there's not the same sort of like I don't know cultural everything. Yeah, it, yeah. and it's it yeah. Um, I, I don't know that it haven't quite reached the uh, obsessive fan base of Gargoyles. Yes. Oh, I no. was very fond of both of them, actually. And I feel like they both had the same kind of, like... Like how I've talked before about when you get series that have a third season, and that's when all the, like, your DC Fontanas and, you know, your very cool writers show up. I feel like in the 90s, there was, with syndicated shows like both of these, there was a tendency, when they were trying very hard to be serialized. Yes. So they would have one very good, cohesive, 13-episode, one-day-a-week season. Mm -hmm. And then when they got their second season order, it just went, like crazy like things just got very weird very fast because they had so many episodes to put in there but because they were doing them it was a lot more serial than they had to actually like try to have a storyline for that whole thing whereas for instance in the 80s you know you could say that might have happened a little bit with g1 but because it was 
episodic, they didn't have to have a cohesive theme. Like, the story didn't need to go anywhere in season three, which is why you, or season two, which is why you get the mm-hmm. season two closer episode being bought. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, in this case, the uh, the season two was indeed super long and contained, well, I believe, approximately twenty potential spinoffs. <laughs> yes. It sure felt like it. Spinoffs and clones, and I I mm. was I was looking at the uh, the IMDb page for it as I was watching this because there were a couple of moments of hey was that, and uh, it's great reading along. To or looking just looking through the IMDb cast list because you've got Macbeth and you've got Boudicca in there and you just have all these like suddenly it's all these random historical figures all over the place. <laughs> it's just like wow that uh that that story went places. So yeah, this. Uh, so I guess uh, some of our younger listeners may not be familiar with Gargoyles. Uh, this was sort of Disney's big foray into claiming a chunk of the sort of boys syndicated action cartoon market. Yeah, they. Well, it, it evolved into that from the original pitch was, which was more like the Gargoyles from Hunchback. Ah, so you get the Jason Alexander and uh, the guy from Murphy Brown and the lady one. Well, in that it was it was more comedy, right. and then someone said, "What if we just try to make our own Batman?" Mm. Yeah, Basically. much much less of a thirst trap under uh, that that theme. What what ended up happening? And it's funny because I was like, I don't know. I ran into my mom at Walmart or something a couple weeks ago, but I saw the big Goliath NECA figure that they had, and I like, or maybe at Target, but. I pulled that off the shelf and was looking it over, and my mom was like, ugh, he's ugly. And I was thinking, wow, oh. that's not what my generation thinks at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, it does help when he's talking, but also, damn. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow. You didn't buy my, he, he's on my desk waiting for wings, because uh, Doggy yeah. hasn't shipped yet. Alas. So, yeah, this was... Uh, there, there's clearly Disney money behind this show. You've got like a, an amazing voice cast. Uh, you've got very yes. nice, very nice animation. Yeah, and uh, you got an amazing voice cast, but also a bunch of just the people you are going to expect to see in a movie being produced by or a show being produced by Disney at this time. By which I mean, there is absolutely Jim Cummings in this. Yeah, but but there's also people. It's like a lot of this cast is like wait. What? How? Why? I don't we'll, know. If, I, I guess we'll get to it some point. I don't know if Keith David had even done much voice acting before this. I don't know. He might have done those commercials for the army, maybe, but I don't know that he was like a big voice actor yet at this he point. Did something. Wait a minute. Maybe. Oh, I could have sworn there was something he was in that was before this. But he wasn't like someone you would think of as a voice actor. Like, and, and this is also you know, pre-Spawn. Jeff. Yes. Yeah. 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 Spawn was like three years after this. I when think. Uh, so there was there is a uh, 
overweight detective character in Spawn who often was the the butt of somewhat uh, sizest uh, obscenities from the titular character, and my friends would occasionally joke about putting those over, like, him talking, Goliath talking about one of the gargoyles. So. <laughs> okay, so I'm looking at his Wikipedia here. We... We may need some uh, some guidance from uh, David here, as he is yeah. apparently credited as a dub voice on Three X Three Eyes. Uh, three by Three, three Eyes. By yes, three eyes. It, it, it's an Ova series. Ma- Who the fuck was Mama? I mean, this is I'm Wikipedia. This guess... could just be some guy putting this on. I, yeah, but I, I, I yeah, I, I did sort of vaguely remember he was in something first. What the fuck? Oh, oh, it was, um, I th- uh, gender unknown <laughs> or, or cross-dressing or trans or something. Owner of like a club or something that I think the main character worked at, if I'm remembering correctly. And voiced by Keith David. In and he's also currently in some 88 Ralph Bakshi Christmas special that was animated. Oh, what? wow. Christmas in Tattertown. Weird. Okay, so he, he dabbled in voice acting a little bit, mm-hmm. but I, this is definitely like when when like when people started casting him in voice stuff. I'm sure they were thinking of this. Of this. Yeah. yeah, no, no one remembers him voicing Mama. And uh, of course, one of the driving force, or maybe the main driving force behind this, was uh, Greg Wiseman, uh, comics writer, TV animation writer. Uh, we encountered him a couple of times during Transformers Prime. Mm-hmm. Um, he really had his fingers in the whole show. He he was the guy behind trying to continue it in comics form several years back, which didn't quite work out. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that Oni? Or no, Slave sl- Labor. Slave Labor. Slave Labor is one of those. The one that, uh, what's his face? Jonan Vasquez was involved with. Yes. I remember them getting the Disney license and being like, okay, what do we do with this? Let's make some comics to sell at Hot Topic. And uh, certainly it it goes into Wiseman's various uh, obsessions, especially not so much in this episode, but there's a lot of Shakespeare that gets, uh, that comes along later on. Oh, yes. So much. I said, looking at the the cast list on IMDb, the weird sisters showing up. Oh, hey, there is uh, LeVar Burton was Anansi. Uh, yes, he was. Not, uh, or, uh, not Shakespearean, but again, uh, just like I said, historical and mythological and it, all over the place. Proteus. Roddy McDowell. Okay. He did a fair number of cartoons in the uh, 90s. He was on Batman the Animated Series as well. He was uh, the Mad Hat. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He said a bunch of stuff. Uh, so yeah, there was the whole, like, Macbeth. That was one of the big. One of the big plot lines in season two was yes. with Macbeth, mm-hmm. but you know, still existing Macbeth. And anyway, John Reese Davies. So Disney did put a huge amount of money into this, and I think it didn't do quite as well as they'd hoped. And also, uh, Disney CEO, I believe, died in a plane crash or something in ninety four, ninety five ish. Wow! And that really I changed. Know you know, there was like a changing of the guard due to that. 
that feels like it this it feels like it has to be one of those things like with the tick how the tick was super popular with people who were not the intended commercial audience for yes. the network time slots mm-hmm. because like this was on when I was in high school and all of the nerdy high schoolers were super into it mm. so it it seems like if it wasn't popular enough it was probably just not popular enough with like you know, the the action figure and breakfast cereal crowd. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy, because uh, this the show is pretty toyetic. Yes. As, uh, as we're going to get to. Yes. So uh, we, we've chosen uh, The Pack. Well, sorry, we've chosen The Thrill of the Hunt, which introduces The, the Pack, a set of recurring antagonists. Yeah, let, uh, let's, uh, let's wait to get to The Pack's voice actors when we get to them. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> we'll just do the gargoyles first. So th- so this is uh this is the this is the all important post pilot episode. Yes. So, so th- this had like a five part pilot. Status quo has and, been established. Uh, You've had that first little plot line and now sex. here we go into having, you know, eight more episodes. Hmm. Right. And certainly that that first uh season is fairly tightly plotted and it so that so in a nutshell and so sadly uh the this is the first season so the opening which is fantastic uh does not have the Keith David narration uh giving you the premise it was a world of fear it was the age of gargoyles stone by day warriors by night we were betrayed by the humans we had sworn to protect Frozen in stone by a magic spell for a thousand years. Now here in Manhattan, the spell is broken and we live again. What kind of doesn't need to, like, the opening (laughs) animation, which is almost entirely clips from the show, basically tells you the plot that he would be narrating anyway. Visual storytelling, it works sometimes. Yeah, but you don't get the dulcet tones of Keith David telling you that 1,000 years ago... I know, but he is... Superstition and the sword rule. He is in the rest of the episode. I did kind of well, miss yes. that, though. I like that uh, that voiceover. And also, they, 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 they alter the clips a little in the second season. There's a great cut to Goliath punching the camera, and then it cuts to, like, a wall exploding. <laughs> oh, that's really He-Man. Oh, yes. This and this was still this was syndicated, so it was a little more violent than your network shows. Yes, a little bit. Uh, especially later on in this first season, there's an episode that dealt with gun violence, in which oh. a character straight up gets shot with a yeah. bullet accidentally and almost dies. There's an episode. I want to say it's late in season one. It might be early in season two, but like. Demona gets some kind of magic where she can switch it so that humans turn to stone during the day. That's the and second then season. Okay, and then she's just going around with like a sledgehammer and just smashing yep. people. <laughs> I think yeah, they, they had was, to insert uh, some sort of line about how, you know, the people who were destroyed have been restored or something. <laughs> I I don't know that they did. I don't remember that. I vaguely remember that they had to. Oh. 
Now I'm reminded of the uh, that that point at the end of the second season of Beast Wars where their like sensor was asleep at the wheel on his last day at work. Yes, <laughs> it's just like sure. <laughs> Have obvious sexual innuendo. I don't even care. <laughs> no, no. In this so, show, we have to do. Hey, Duke's gonna pull through. He's in a coma, though. <laughs> sure. Yeah, so, a so, little bit. So gargoyles are sort of humanoid, winged creatures who are flesh by night, stone by day. Well, your classic gargoyle. They just, they just they your, your shatter classic, off their outer skin. Your oh, oh. classic gargoyles are not nearly as swole no, as Goliath. No. No, and, and, and also technically, since these ones aren't downspouts for water, they're only grotesques. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, because the water point. doesn't come out of any other mouths. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, they, they originally guarded a castle in Scotland a thousand years ago. They were cursed to... To remain via an extremely complicated series of events that will uh, carry on through into the second season, they're cursed to remain yeah. stone until the castle reaches above the clouds. And it just so happens that the castle was bought and reassembled atop a skyscraper by eccentric be pony-tailed millionaire David Z- David Xanatos. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's wonderful. Like a good curse, it's like it's complicated riddle that you have to twist to break. Well, much like in Macbeth, no no man of a woman born can kill Macbeth. Yes. So he's killed by a guy who had a C-section. <laughs> yes. We could have just found a woman, but well, we had to find another technicality. More and, clever technicality. And so you know they they befriend a local a local police detective Elisa Maza. They make a an enemy slash friend slash frenemy of Xanatos, and they generally try and guard the people of New York. The Xanatos relationship is is very long and very bumpy. Oh, indeed, <laughs> very well, complicated. As, as we will discuss, much like all of his evil plots, it's extremely complicated. Yes. <laughs> And so our our primary cast, we've got uh, our leader, Goliath, big purple guy. Uh, he is voiced by, of course, the, the great Keith David. Yes. With a nice, deep, booming voice. Uh, also the greatest example of this series, frequently being horny on Maine. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. I think that's part of why maybe it was not as popular with the action figure and breakfast cereal crowd, but was very popular with teenagers. Who yeah. you know weren't embarrassed to be watching cartoons is that the the romance side of things is very pronounced, not to a point where you're just like this is just a romance, but definitely, like I said, my my generation definitely does not think Goliath is ugly. <laughs> well, no, it's it's very proto monster fucker. Yes, because like. He's basically just this guy who's seven feet tall, purple, and wearing a loincloth. No shirt. I mean, it, I'm sure he has wings and claws, but damn, look at them abs. It bears certain similarities to the Linda Hamilton, Ron Perlman, Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure many a woman in the 80s was super into Ron Perlman. <laughs> Probably. Uh-huh. All right, and rounding out the cast, we've got Hudson, who is the old guy. Uh, voiced by a Scottish-accented Ed Asner. 
oh, the tickets. Oh, the tickets. Okay. My, my brain, like, he sits in a recliner and pets his dog, and it's like, oh, he's just a dad from Frasier. <laughs> and I, I guess, apparently, you know, Ed Asner, you know, he went into audition, and he thought, oh, this is going to be easy. And he said, well, what, what if he did, like, a Scottish accent? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. hmm. right, he did it. Yeah. Uh, you've got the, uh, the sort of, like, uh, young, up-and-coming, hot-headed guy, your, your hot rod, if you will. That's, uh, Brooklyn, uh, voiced by Jeff Bennett. Yep. Fairly early in his career. Not his first job, but definitely one of his earlier ones. Mm. Who, who is more for your monster fuckers who actually want a monster face? Yeah, he's got like a, like a, like a bird face, sorta. Yeah, like a, like he's a got sort of a beaky, it's, sort of a beak. Yeah, it's a more traditional, grotesque, gargoyle face. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you've got uh, Broadway, who is the fat guy and voiced as so many fat guys are by Bill Fagerback. Yes. yes. He's a good character, though. They do a I lot mean, of good I mean, stuff with him. Yeah, I mean, he's 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 yeah. he's, he's, he's uh, you know kind of he's kind of a, he's the bulkhead of the group. Yeah. Yes. Literally. <laughs> yes. He's he's decent and lovable. And you got the little guy, uh, Lexington. Uh, voiced by the little guy, the smart guy, the the plucky guy. Voiced by uh, Tom Adcox Hernandez. Uh-huh. The, in one episode, who turns out? Wait, he's evil. What? Well, that was one where they go to the future, except not actually. Yes. What? It's a possible future. Well, yes. A possible I, I, future where he went wrong. I vaguely remember that, and I vaguely remember at least somebody has an eye patch. Uh, yeah. Uh, is it, uh, well, br- is it Bronx? Or well, somebody. No, Bronx isn't the there. Have, uh, Broadway the is blind. Oh. And then Lexington's a cyborg, and I think, yeah. well, I mean, Hudson's already got, like, the one bad eye. Yeah. So I don't know if, I, I, think, I don't know if anybody has an eye patch. Yeah. Hey, and then you've also got Bronx, who is, like, a, a dog-like beast. And, of course, because he doesn't talk... Voiced by uh, Frank the Tank Welker. Yes. Doing his very traditional dog noises. Oh yes, he's no nobody does Hello. weird animal noises uh, like Frank Welker. <laughs> okay, so random thing. I seem to recall there being some kind of recent, like comic, relatively recent comic thing establishing. One of them is canonically gay, and I think it's the little I guy. I believe that was Lexington, yeah. Yeah, which honestly kind of explains one scene in this episode we're going to watch. <laughs> Certain things <laughs> going directly over his head. Well, it does kind of explain everything, including him t- turning out to be evil in the possible future. <laughs> oh, it's no. Like, oh, he's camp gay, too. <laughs> And uh, then we've also got uh, our freak recurring human ally, uh, Elisa Maza, who definitely has the hots for uh, for Goliath, and is voiced by actress Sally Richardson. Yes, a lot of him flying around clutching her to his naked chest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Like, even at the beginning of this episode, it feels like, are they already a couple? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of definitely established as chemistry, like, in the five-part pilot. Yeah, and that would certainly continue for the rest of the series. Yes. And, of course, there's a whole enormous extended family of gargoyles who appear at various points in the show. You've got the Demona, who is Goliath's evil, immortal ex. 
<laughs> the best you, kind. You got an evil clone of Goliath. You've got uh, a cyborg who used to be uh, Goliath's pal and also has his girlfriend and his mortal enemy's brains inside of him. Oh, yeah. Uh, was it Cold Steel? Cold, cold Stone, I believe. Like the ice cream place. Yes. Oh, but he gets split later on into three, so they each get names. It, it's complicated and messy, and there's uh, more he, clones. He was Michael Dorn. Yes, oh. again, like I said, with the second season, with them having to keep it serialized, but also having a huge pile of episodes, it just went kind of nuts. Mm-hmm. And, of course, there's a big thing about how they got almost the entire cast of Star Trek The Next Generation on this show. Oh, that's, I, I want to spoilers, but yes. It, not just that, also into Voyager. This is true. Well, and, of course, uh, when we get to the other voice actors, I'll be able to tell what other show has three uh, principal actors in in this very episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so this episode is, finally getting to this episode, it is The Thrill of the Hunt, uh, written by Michael Reeves, who is a big animation veteran. Mm-hmm. Has he written for Transformers? Yes, he has. He wrote the big broadcast of 2006, and he wrote three episodes of Beast Machines. I thought so. Nice. It's like, I, I knew we've encountered this day before on the podcast. And, it's just been a while. Uh, he is also, I believe, the guy who wrote The Collect Call of Cthulhu, which we did, oh. the Ghostbusters episode that we did a zillion years ago. He's the guy yes. who did a bunch of Mighty Orbots, isn't he? Oh, he did a I lot mean, of great stuff. He did Spider-Man. He did... Uh, Phantom 2040, Batman the Animated Series, uh, Ninja Turtles, Real Ghostbusters, Tiny Toons, Spiral Zone, Captain Power, My Little Pony, Starcom, Gem, <laughs> Bionic 6, Centurions, oh, man. Teen Wolf, Ewoks, Challenge of the Go-Bots, Dungeons and Dragons, Mighty Orbots, Pole Position... What He did the novelization of The Last Jedi, well, co-wrote it. Did he? Wow. wow. Huh. Apparently. That guy's still out there. That's good for him. Yeah, well, he, he's got Parkinson's, so he doesn't write as much anymore. Ah. Mm-hmm. Well, he's been around. He, he wrote for that uh, Shazam series in the 70s, like the live action one. Oh, wow. Hmm. So, yeah, and uh, this first aired uh, November 4th, 1994. Hmm. So, uh, so we open up with, uh, you know, the, the pilot is over. Evil, evil has been defeated and the gargoyles, uh, beat up Xanatos and his legion of robot gargoyles and sent him to jail. Yes. There was and an, because this series has pretty tight continuity, he's still in jail. There was an action yeah. figure of Xanatos in the armor, uh, for the robot gargoyles, which I yes. had. He did wear it a fair bit. Well, he is this series' Lex Luthor, sort of. Very much. So having an armor suit makes sense. So yeah, he's in jail. Yes, and uh, so his his Skyther is being run by his uh, second-in-command, Owen Burnett, in the Jeff Bennettiest of all Jeff Bennett performances. (laughs) Extremely (laughs) Jeff Bennett voice. Yes. Uh, And of course, he also has, like, a bizarre... Uh, secret that will be revealed <laughs> much later. 
much later, which is a, a diff- fantastic when we find it out. But it's pretty cool. We want people to watch this show. It's <laughs> such a good turn. Speaking of Star Trek: The Next Generation, that's all I'll say. Yes, my favorite. I mean, kind of yeah. <laughs> I love that twist. So uh, he's like, yeah. So you know, she's going to see the gargoyles, and she's kind of surprised that. Uh, you know, Owen is just letting her up, and he's like, yeah, no, Xanatos doesn't have grudges. It's all business. <laughs> so uh, she goes out there right before nightfall, and they do the... Instead of just, like, turning from stone to flesh, they, like, break off their stone coating every yeah, night, like, which looks super cool. Yes. They're like shedding their skin like a snake just every night. Mm. Much more dramatic. It's, it's exfoliating to the extreme. <laughs> yes. Well, it turns out much later, it, like they do, like if they if they're grievously injured and they get to morning, they heal overnight. Hmm. I, except for bullet wounds, that I think lingers until the next episode at least. <laughs> I mean, I guess if I, it stays in good. you, maybe if it goes all the way through, then it heals up. But if it stays in you, then it's still in you. So yeah, so pretty much everybody takes off, and it turns out they're not like really adventuring. They just kind of go want to go watch some TV. <laughs> yeah. They're very excited to go watch some TV. And I remember they have just recently returned from the uh, the nine hundreds. Yes. So this uh, is pretty cool. Yes. And so you know there is a problem. Xanatos is apparently only in jail for receiving stolen property, and he's going to be out of jail in six months. And that he's still... Yeah. Well, he got a, sen- a sentence of six months. Yeah. He's only going to serve, like, half that at yes, most. I believe he's going to get out at the end of the season. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I like that quick. Eliza has to... Ex- or Elisa. I've got a foster kitten named Eliza right now. Elisa has to explain, uh, like, to Goliath that Xanatos has not been, like, vanquished or, you know, he's, he's not an outlaw now. He's just... Yes. Yes, we, we've defeated him. Time. Yes, we've defeated him. No, that's not how the legal system works. <laughs> not these he, days. We don't behead people anymore. Yeah. And, and, you know, he still owns this castle. And I, I do love this. This castle is hilariously on top of this skyscraper. It's great. Well, yeah, because he had to get it above the clouds. So he had to build up a building so high. Because... Just transporting a castle to America, like that, oh, that's common, but no, Xanatos has to go a step beyond and put on the tallest skyscraper in New York City. Xanatos is, as the kids would say these days, extra. <laughs> yes. Yes, accurate. So she is, you know, you guys are really going to have to book it out of here before your mortal enemy gets out of jail and, uh, you know, finds you living in his house. <laughs> You know, Goliath is not really happening. I mean, he he brought them here for a reason, and she figures they probably don't want to find out what that reason is, because it yeah. probably involves exploiting them. Yes. Hmm. So it, it is now TV time. It is time to watch The Pack. <laughs> yes. Well, you have to watch it. It's on all the channels. Yes. Huh... Now, I'm. It is not entirely clear what the pack is. What? Yeah, what the TV show is. It's. Like, I mean, I, it seems that it's going to be, you know, like one of those these syndicated action type shows that was 
very popular around this time. Yeah. You know, your your Xena, Warrior Princess, your your Beastmaster, uh etc. It almost feels like a syndicated action cartoon, except they're not a cartoon, they're just actors. And yeah. they're also well, they're not even actors, they're they're actual mercenaries. Yeah. Well, well they're still seems to be a mix kind of they're, I mean they're not maybe current they're not currently mercenaries. Yeah, that's the thing is that they're pre- I guess they're mercenaries pretending to be actors playing mercenaries. Yes. They're um as to actual like cartoon murderers and hitmen as the Beatles are to the monkey or the monkeys are to the Beatles. They're <laughs> they've been assembled together to be the, this heroic TV show. But I guess much like the monkeys, they are actually all pretty good. Uh, musicians slash murderers. Eventually. Yes. Two of them were musicians, two of them were actors. Mm-hmm. Eventually the two actors did sort of learn how to play instruments a bit. <laughs> Which makes me wonder that, are like, are... Do these mercenaries act at all? Do they have to take, like, acting lessons? They apparently only fight like ninjas who are all stuntmen. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, isn't Fox like an actress to begin with or something? I mean, again, speaking of people with insane, ridiculous pasts, yeah. uh, what, we find out that what, both of her parents are recurring characters. Yes, well, that, that's <laughs> that's a big kettle of fish for another day. Well, if you speak a little French, you might figure it out faster. Yeah, well, <laughs> we're not Canadians. Though. So the, the pack are five vaguely animal-themed uh Mercenaries who also kind of look like uh, a band that would have not have been out of place on Gem and the Holograms. <laughs> yes, they, they. Yeah. To me, they felt like like Cobra had created a mammal themed TV show for <laughs> question mark profit. Yeah, I can see that. Like, like instead of be everyone being snake themed, it's like, oh, we have a wolf and a fox and and a, a dingo with a mohawk. Okay, that one kind of doesn't work, but you got a jackal and the other one. I was like, yeah, sure. So, uh, <clears throat> so yeah, they are and they do all their own stuff because they will be appearing in like a stunt show at Madison Square Garden that very night. <gasps> yes, tonight. Yes, at the Garden, so, the home of WrestleMania. <laughs> Man, remember when all media was obsessed with New York City and everything <laughs> just took place in New York City? Yes, it made sense. <laughs> I mean, it's the city that never sleeps, so obviously you would have uh, heroes who operate at night. Yeah. I guess that's fair. Where's it so, going to take place? Chicago? <laughs> right. I'm trying to think. I think that Savage Dragon cartoon took place in Chicago. Probably, yeah. I something think that eventually great. did there because everything else was in New York City, and, and it would be crossover. We don't, we don't need the Tommy Westfall cartoon universe. Well, of course, the contemporary uh, Mighty Ducks cartoon, also by Disney, uh, took place in Anaheim. Oh yes, yes. I bet that had Jeff Bennett in it. I that a hundred percent had Jeff Bennett in it and Jim Cummings. <laughs> And also Jim Belushi for some reason. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, so Lexington especially is very enthusiastic about meeting the pack, and he does not quite seem to 
grasp that TV is not real? Yeah, they are all still having a little trouble with that. Well, yeah, I mean, it's been a th- it, you know, it's, it's been a thousand years. I, I get it. Yeah. A thousand years and like a week or two. Yes. No one's explained to them that sometimes this is just like plays versus mm. being like I don't know the town crier announcing the evening news. <laughs> So we cut now to Pack Media Studios, and let's meet the Pack, which is just a warehouse outside of New York City. Yes, uh, we've got Dingo, who is Australian and extremely Jim Cummings. Yes. Uh, you've got Wolf, who has like this amazing butt-length ponytail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's gone gray, but but yeah, there's everybody that. on this kind of has a mullet. Yeah, yeah, they do. Well, not Fox really, but yeah, no. And of course, she's got, uh, or sorry, uh, Wolf is um, Clancy Brown, so he also sounds amazing. Yes, I uh, feel like go- speaking of of the contemporary Exo Squad show, the mullets on that were so. Extensive that they dulled the the mullets of all other contemporary TV shows. Like you didn't notice because they didn't have like a leaf-filled head sock around. No, because like Exo Squad also had like they had a mullet, but they had the sides of their head shaved. <laughs> yes, like almost everybody, man, woman, and and uh, oh no, I guess the the what do you call them? Neo-Sapiens? Neo-Sapiens no didn't have hair. Yeah. They were above hair. Anyway, sorry. Mullets. Uh, they should have uh, known got, better by that point, but they did not. You've got the creepy brother-sister duo of Hyena and Jackal. Yes. Uh, yes. Who both have, like, amazing anime sideburns. <laughs> yeah, they're they're very anime sideburns. I like anime character designs from the age. Also, don't they uh, become furries in season two? They become two? cyborgs. Wolf becomes a furry. Oh. Yeah, those two become cyborgs. Wolf becomes a furry. Okay. Fox is Dingo just gets like, and Dingo just gets like an Iron Man armor. Yeah, he's like, nope, I, I'm not fucking with my body. Just give me some extra guns. That's it. Yeah. Uh, of course, Hyena is our old pal Cree Summer. Yes. Yes. And uh, Jackal is uh, Max Headroom himself. Oh. I always love some surprise Matt, Matt Brewer. Yeah. Uh, and of course, I have to point out they they're playing siblings because they're I assume because they're both Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Probably not. Probably not. And uh, then the I think the leader is Fox, who has what was at, at the time a very edgy face tattoo. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, which when you first see her, it's like, oh, that's like body paint or something. No, that's there. She's always got it. Yep. And, she uh, ends is, up married. <laughs> and uh, is voiced by New Jersey's own Laura San Giacomo. Oh, yes, man. who apparently isn't listed in the credits. I th- apparently her agent thought that it would hurt her career if she was like a cartoon uh, voice actor. How much of a career was getting hurt here? Why did she? She was in a bunch of things. I mean, she was in the stand. Now I want to go and rewatch the stand. (laughs) Well, that's why I was going to mention the stand because this this episode has three actors from the stand in it. Oh wait, it does. Lars Angiacomo, Matt Uh Furrier. Who's the other one? M O O N. That spells Bill Fager. Oh, oh, shit! I forgot about M O O N. 
Oh, man. Wow. That show, that series, man, that little mini series, that was that was wild. Yeah, oh, and they're making a new one or a movie or something. They, they did. Oh, it, they did it's it. Out. It's on <laughs> uh, Paramount Plus or something. Oh, that's I guess why. I was was that Paramount Plus or was that Peacock? But yeah, I guess it's that was Paramount. Definitely Plus. one of those, and I definitely did not see it. <laughs> no Peacock. Oh, wow, yeah. I forgot even about Peacock. Jeez. I only installed Peacock on anything because of the aforementioned Exo Squad season two. Oh, <laughs> which is available on their free plan because why wouldn't it be? Yeah. So, the, the so yeah. Voice cast on the show is crazy. Oh yeah, <laughs> like it's just all over the place and so many characters, especially in this episode, and now real doubles up. No. Which, well, I guess that's more of the time and Disney money as opposed to now. Yeah, I think there's a point where maybe Welker's doing some double duty. Probably. Yeah, there well, are a few, like, again, I, I pulled up IMDb and there are a lot of, like in Batman the Animated Series, you'd occasionally have, like, some random cop who you can tell is just Kevin Conroy doing a slightly different voice. Oh, yeah. yeah. So there's doubling up of the sort that's like random small bit parts being mm. played by somebody who's already in the studio. Yeah, you're Scott McNeil being background characters in Gundam Wing, not your Scott McNeil being three main characters in Beast Wars. <laughs> yes. Well, I guess the, I guess there is doubling up in this because Jeff Bennett is Owen and. Uh, and Brooklyn, uh, Brooklyn, yeah, that's oh. Brooklyn is definitely like not a super Jeff Bennett voice. So that's, no, I that's definitely right. associate with him more of the the Owen type voice. He's not Huxley Prescott. So <laughs> no, a plus thumbs up. Yeah, uh, Owen could definitely be Huxley Prescott's like much uh, a much more straight laced <laughs> brother, more dignified brother. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, they you know they're working out and they're kind of getting tired of this whole TV stardom thing because they're kind of used to being you know mercenaries and killing people. <laughs> yeah, I think Dingo says that you know he's getting soft around the middle. He wouldn't last it through uh, like a single day of a Central American war. <laughs> okay. Yes, they are not pulling punches on this mm. man. And I assume that they were not wearing the costumes when they were mercenaries. Presumably, they they didn't have like a gimmick. Not the full costumes where they have a fox shaped belt buckle or chest piece or or cleavage armor with cat or fox ears on it. Fox, what's with the ears? I mean, I mean, it looks good, but that can't be practical. <laughs> it does also, seem like maybe it's made out of some kind of rubber, so it doesn't actually poke as badly as it seems like it would. <laughs> Is it possible they were all recruited because they're all kind of furries? Maybe. Maybe. Wait, no. That's what they have in I common. I mean, one of them would later literally become a furry. Yes. More of them would have turned themselves into werewolves or something. <laughs> well, and of course, uh, speaking of doubling, uh, Clancy Brown played a different character in the pilot, but also well, spoilers. Well, yes, but... This show goes all kinds of ridiculous directions. Yes. Yes, it does. That one doesn't feel like that much of a spoiler. Like, it's his ancestor. Am I right? Yes. It is, yes. At one point, I believe he gets possessed by the ghost of his ancestor. Well, I think the the ghost <laughs> of his ancestor is in an axe he gets later. Yes, that's right. Oh, man, this show. Yeah, this show is complicated. Oh, it get, 
It is labyrinthine. <laughs> so it uh, turns out they just got uh, they got some photos in the mail. Photos of gargoyles. <laughs> so yeah, it seems like they're just doing this whole like TV series and stage show so that they can travel around and you know, under the guise of doing these shows while they're actually, like, hunting for fun things. I mean, it, it just says these are the kind of people where if you if they get photos in the mail, they're like, oh, yeah, so somebody wants me to kill these guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a fair assumption. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so at least get- one of these guys has paid to hunt a human for sport. <laughs> mm. uh, I, I don't think these are the guys who've paid to hunt you. These are the guys who like go with you when you hunt. Oh, yeah, like yeah. The, I these... figured these were the ones who get paid to hunt a human for. But I guess that's not sport. That's like, your job. Like you go with the rich guy to make sure that uh, Jean Claude Van Damme doesn't kill him. These guys are the Arnold Vosloos. <laughs> yes. And we will we will find out who their Lance Henriksen is a little later. Eventually. Well, by the end of this episode. So, yeah, we, we cut to Madison Square Garden. They do their stunt show. They they fight evil ninjas. Everybody boos the oh, evil yeah. ninjas. This show is very anti-ninja. It does feel like a Cobra plot. <laughs> I love how it just consistently refers to them as the evil ninjas. And at one point in their, their stage show, the announcer's like, oh, no, it's the evil ninjas. Ninjas don't fight with honor like the pack does. <laughs> Like, oh man, that's so good. Ninjas don't fight with honor. You tell that to Snake Eyes, he is gonna punch your lights out. <laughs> uh, Larry, Larry Hama was not consulted for this show. No, no, he would not approve. So you know, Brooklyn and Broadway are there. You know, they watch the show, but they take off. Lexington stays behind and introduces himself to a somewhat surprised pack. Oh yeah! After after Wolf mentions that they're getting half a million for the show, yes, is that each or altogether split? S- still, like that profit margin is like as much as WrestleMania would get at the time. Well, like, what, pretty good. They're pulling in. Once we find out who they're who's bankrolling them, it kind of makes sense. Oh, well, yeah. there's clearly somebody with more money than sense. <laughs> yeah, they may be getting paid extra on top of what they're making from Madison Square Garden. But, mm. Still, that's impressive. But so, anyway, yes, Lexington shows up and he can talk. He's tiny. So, uh, so Fo- and Fox is all, "Oh, say hey, we heard about uh, like another gargoyle who's like way bigger than you. What's uh, what's his deal?" And she's very, very sexy about it, and Lexington just does not notice. Nope. She's like, oh, I heard there's another like you, only much bigger. And he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, poor buddy. Well, he is the youngest. He's, how the fuck old would he be? Is he like a teenager? I'm I'm not exact. I I think so because gar- gargoyles basically do age more or less as people do. Hmm. Most of them, like the the three middle, the three younger ones, give off a very sort of teenage vibe. But I would say yes. that Lexington is maybe like twelve. Yeah, yeah. And also, apparently, the Greg Wiseman has revealed that uh, Broadway is uh, Hudson's son, which I guess makes sense. Okay. Oh, yeah. But I guess for the most part, gargles do not have familial relations 
No, they, they, they lay, lay, raise all the eggs together in a clutch, and they're one They're eggs. Family. Yeah. Because then Goliath's daughter with Demona shows up later because they were off being kept somewhere else. and uh, on, on, like a- on the mystic island of Avalon, because again, this show, it's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they just lay eggs and are raised, I guess, communally, which is yeah, despite, fair. Despite otherwise appearing uh, mammalian. Yes. Well, they have... Despite the breasts. Tails and wings. Well, okay, yeah, there's breasts. Well, and they all have hair. Yes. But they don't have nipples. Except for, except for Broadway and Lexington, I guess. Some of them are just bald. I don't know. Yes. Well, Goliath does. All, none of the men present any nipples anyway. Well, I mean, you couldn't show male nipples in animation. I mean, you could show any nipples. In, you can't show nipples in animation. You can. It's, it's just like, it, it's an extra thing you have to draw. Yeah, that's true. It's like, try to remember Batman the Animated Series, shirtless Batman nipples or no nipples? Ooh, I'm going to say no nipples. Probably not. That feels too fiddly for that Bruce Tim style. Yeah. I want to go on eBay now, and I, I really need to buy a carded one of that Night Force Ninja Batman <laughs> with the nipples and the bright green pants. And, like, that being Aaron Archer's first big toy line he worked on. <laughs> Actually, I guess the, the, the art style on this is kind uh, of wait. a... Uh-huh. Survey says Batman has nipples! Oh! <laughs> they're very <laughs> tiny, <laughs> but they're there. Are you sure you're interested in watching uh, Batman and Robin? <laughs> no, it, it's from the, the, the one where he fights Rash, Raz al Ghul shirtless. Ah. Al- oh. It's it's Raish al Ghul in the cartoon. It's Raz al Ghul in the, um, in the Batman movie. Begins movies. Yeah, Raz al Ghul is, I think, how it's supposed to actually be said. Mm. But since we were raised on the cartoon, it's Raish al Ghul. I'll go. Yeah, it's confusing. So anyway, they get back. Uh, Goliath is not thrilled that uh, he's re- revealed their existence to humans, even though Lexington argues, you know, you, you you know, Elisa knows about us. Is it only okay because you're totally hot for her? <laughs> <laughs> no. It is. I didn't take it out for air, Lexington. <laughs> Well, okay, if we're going there and talking about loincloths. Yeah. How the fuck does Lecting- Lexington's work? His wings are Try there. not to think. Yeah, because he's got, like, flying squirrel wings. Try not to think about it too hard. So, so his, yeah. his wings are pierced so he can wear clothes. Sure. I'm not going to think about it, and neither should anyone else. <laughs> well, we're going to have to think about it. They're making toys of them. Oh, yeah, I have true. two of them here, and the third on the way. We don't have to think about it. That's NECA's problem. That's right. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm wondering how the fuck they're going to do Lexington. He's going to have to have like two or three sets of arms and wings. We so can have them up and, and folded. And <laughs> admittedly, he's smaller, so that maybe they can include them all in the box yeah. for him, and I don't have to buy separate folded wings with <laughs> another dog. Uh, or they could be made of fabric. Yeah. They could, but they could have also done that with Goliath, and they didn't. No, they did not. No, but it's not like they made his loincloth cloth, so I don't think they're going to do that for them. Yeah, that's true. So anyway, they, you know, they, they, they're still arguing when they get uh, stonified. They're still arguing when they thaw out. Which is pretty great. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> and so, you know... 
you know, and but everybody is with Lexington because you know they've all seen the pack on television. You know, as, as Hudson say, ah, yes, they fight with honor. A bunch of evil ninjas. <laughs> More anti-ninja propaganda. You know, I gotta say, given that all the trouble that we have now with older people believing everything they see on Facebook, uh, Hudson believing everything he sees on TV is hitting, hitting home right now. Ooh. <laughs> as we later find out, he also can't read. Aw, oh, that's yeah. great. Because, you know, literacy was not a priority in no. the 900s. Not really. So, Goliath does eventually reluctantly decide to go along to uh, Pack Media Studios. They get there, it's seemingly abandoned, and then it turns into a deadly death trap. <laughs> There's a whole bunch of... This is apparently the gauntlet, and they... I guess this is where they film them going through this death trap. We see them sort of going through these metal tunnels in the intro to their show. And they, yeah, they, with spikes coming out of the walls and ninjas popping They've turned them up to make them super deadly. But yes. not deadly to gargoyles, who pretty, they pretty much just smash their way through the whole thing. They just tear through metal. They have no problem just tearing through metal. So, like, maybe y'all should have done more research than looking at a single picture. Yeah, don't have aluminum walls that, that Goliath can just rip through like tissue paper. Well, it turns out really the only other thing you can do to find out about gargoyles is read the tabloids, as Hyena does. <laughs> yes. Though in, in here somewhere, Lexington declares that he's never trusting anyone again, which seems like a bit of an overreaction, but <laughs> probably a lesson that one needs to learn at some point. Yes. At the very least, you should not trust anyone who dresses like this. No. <laughs> no. No, a little too much animal print and fur, metal... The mullets. Way too much metal. Way too much mullets. Sharp claw fingers. Dingo. <laughs> Stupid dingo. Uh, who does not have a mullet, but does have a, a fairly short uh, mohawk. Well, I think it hangs down in the back. Oh, I think you're right, though. Oh. Yeah, it, it's and a mohawk an of a mullet. A mullet hawk? Yeah. Yes. A mull hawk? Yes. That must be a thing. And and an attempt at an Australian accent. I mean, I'm certain that Cummings has done the Australian accent in something, but it's not ringing a bell as to what it was. But of course, you know, it's, it's, a a 90, it's a 90s Disney protection. Jim Cummings is in it. Wasn't that, was it, I'm sure he had to have been in like the rescuers down under around this wait, time. Wait, was he, was he Monterey Jack? Was he? Monterey Jack? Or was that Peter Cullen? I just watched that Rescue Rangers movie last night. Well, I know they hired actual Australian uh, Eric Bana to do it. Oh. oh. Yeah, because it was different. The, the movie clip I've seen, I was like, well, that didn't sound like Monterey Jack. But well, I assume someone else is Googling. Apparently, at various points, he was voiced by both Peter Cullen and Jim Cummings. Oh, oh well, there you go. So I think this that is just Jim Cummings... Monterey Jack accent. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I guess rather than decide, uh, have to choose between the two of them for the Rescue Rangers movie, they took the third option and picked someone entirely new, but actually Australian. But I guess they did bring uh, Tress McNeil back. Good for her. Yes. Hmm. Yes, they did. 
All right, so so yeah, they have now they they are they escape, but they are now being hunted. This becomes a a survive the night type movie, uh, yes. very popular in the early nineties. Like we got uh, like Trespass, uh, Surviving the Game, Warriors. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, kind of the Warriors. Uh, very essentially various slasher movies. Sadly, not Jason Takes Manhattan, really, except for five minutes. Yeah, so it's I was like going it, to say many taking place in New York. Again, yes. Sadly, they are not. Uh, the pack are not foiled by the city flooding uh, the sewers with toxic waste. <laughs> which is apparently something that happens every night in uh, in New York City in Jason Takes Manhattan. Yeah, well, everyone flushes the toilet at the same time after Letterman or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, that's how it right, works. Right, but that, again, that melts his flesh and somehow turns him into a child. That movie's real <laughs> stupid. Yeah. Well, I it turns him into a Muppet first, then into a child. Oh, man, the the unmasked Jason in that movie looks terrible. I kind of like it because at least it looks like something. I guess. Dumb as fuck, but he's just a Muppet. Anyway, so yeah, the, the hunt has begun. Uh, you know, they're... Uh, at one point, uh, Dingo throws boomerangs at them because, of course, he does. Oh, there's just <laughs> yeah. must be boomerangs. I, well, at first, I wasn't sure who was throwing it. There was just these mm-hmm. chakram things bouncing around. I was like, uh, yeah, oh yeah, it's a boomerang. Yeah, that makes uh, sense. Jackal's the guy who throws. Interesting. We don't really get like we we get a sense of them just because they're voice actors that we know and we're sort of familiar yeah. with what their deal is. But we don't have like clear cut. This is you know this is the strong guy. This is the well, weapons guy. Wolf is very definitely the strong guy, and Fox but, is but the, the leader by default because no one else seems to be in charge. Well, Dingo's kind of also the strong guy. Kinda. He seems more like the guy who's, who's older and is tired of this shit. <laughs> and then Jackal and Hyena are the crazy ones. Yes. Yes. Uh, he's definitely the guy who throws knives. Mm. Well, yeah, th- th- those two are very much the bouncy, knife-wielding, sharp-clawed character from fighting video games. Yes. They're the chubby. Yeah, also, they have definitely been caught. They've definitely been caught by their teammates making out once, and they decided never to speak of it. yes. Damn Targaryens. <laughs> Listen, it, it's, it's natural on our homeland. Canada. I was, I was thinking of the Ultimates. Also, oh, not yeah. no. not great. Uh, I was thinking of uh, Amy Poehler and Will Arnett from Blades of Glory. <laughs> oh. Anyway, so they uh, anyway they, the gargoyles get knocked out by getting hit into some power lines, and they're spotted by a couple of uh, small children. And hey, it's the pack. It's, uh, <gasps> it's our heroes from TV. Yeah, small children who apparently show up in later episodes. Yes, they're like recurring children. <laughs> recurring small children. Basically. I kind of love that this show does that with background characters. Especially one character who comes back way later. Yes, indeed. Well, I mean, it's New York City. You would think there could be more people, but no. <laughs> yeah, they are kind of empty streets for New York City at night. I guess it's after they started to clean it up and Disneyfy to, uh, the, oh, what do you call it? <laughs> uh, gentrify? Gentrify? Yeah, no, but, but like the, the corner that everything's at. What the fuck is that street? Times Square? Times Square, that's the one. 
Oh, man, yes. the, the Gargoyles ran into, like, a bunch of fake people in gargoyle costumes uh, trying to build money to tourists. <laughs> oh, oh, I don't want a Gargoyles reboot, but now I kind of want a Gargoyles reboot for that. <laughs> Just for that. Yeah. Just some drunk guy with no shirt painted purple. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, they, they explained that, oh, yeah, the, the Gargoyles, they've, they've been sent by the evil ninjas. <laughs> And at one point, the, the kids start pelting the gargoyles with garbage. What? It yes. is the arc in the 90s? <laughs> I mean, the 80s would have made more sense. They would have thrown bricks then, though. Yeah. Well, they probably still throw bricks now, but... Hmm. Yeah, they, so, the, so Goliath manages to break off uh, the cap of Fire Hydrant, knock back Jekyll and Hyena, and they make an escape. They, uh, they climb up on this building... Yeah, they climb uh, up the, the fire escape. It's like, you guys have been flying until this point, but now you're climbing up a fire escape? As per no, the, uh, the pilot, they can only glide. Yes. They yes. cannot fly from ground level. They can only glide from heights. They're good at jumping. They're real flexible with that. Well, and also, they can... I mean, I guess the fire escape is probably faster, but they can also do the thing where they, like, climb up the building with their claws. Yes, they can sink their claws into concrete. Yes. I guess they didn't want to damage the surface of that old brick building. Yeah. But then the pack is shooting at the fire escape. Well, and and then they end up climbing it uh, Batman, Adam West style. Hmm. There's probably a cutscene where some 90s celebrity pokes his head out the window. <laughs> I don't know. It's Larry Bud Melman. No. Anyway, so they get they get to the top of this building, and this building is just covered in gargoyles. What kind of building is this? I mean, it's New York. You gotta have yes, like the one but, that you know Bruce that Spider Man hangs out with, and then the ones uh, that Batman poses on. And I think this may be the building that uh, Sigourney Weaver lives in in Ghostbusters. Yes, <laughs> maybe. I mean, it, it's it's not the um, actually medieval museum in New York because that shows up in a later episode. Oh, the uh, the cloisters. Yes. Uh, also, that's also again shows a lot that do New York love that because there's also a noted Spider-Man episode that takes place in in the cloisters. Yeah, it's a great setting. Specifically, yeah, that's the one in which uh, Spider-Man tells the the Shocker that he'll hunt him to the ends of the earth. Oh, neat. <clears throat> oh, I have so much phlegm today. Ah, ah. So Let's naturally, it all up. yeah. This, so, there, there's so many sculptures on this roof; it's ridiculous. Like it's the roof I mean, of a gargoyle collector. Yes, like like this. This is a New York City that has more gargoyles than actual New York. But there's like thirty on this one roof. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And at uh, and this is the point where I'm shocked that they don't say this in the dialogue. The hunters become the hunted. Yeah, something like that. Dun dun. And for about five minutes, the episode turns into Predator. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Because it just becomes a horror movie in which the pack is stalked by the relentless gargoyles who are totally hidden amidst this room full of or this roof full of fake gargoyles. Hmm. <laughs> so you know they get pulled off screen. Pick all the crazy idiots first. Like violence is implied that could not be shown on television. Well, they do show it in silhouette. <laughs> in silhouette. And also there's a... Um, there's a bit where you see a gargoyle in the foreground, and because it's of the way it's drawn, you know that it's going to move, but it's still cool when he yeah. does move. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a nice touch. 
Oh, and somehow Lexington, Lexington just carries Dingo into the air, dropping him who knows where, but it's like Lexington is a little fellow. I mean, he's strong, very strong. he's like wiry. Well, yes. yes. But, but he's like his, his wing surface, it's surprising he has enough to lift Dingo for even a short period. Uh, like Goliath could carry someone easy, maybe two, but Lexington yeah. is a wee fellow. He's like four feet tall. <laughs> so, so we're so we're now down to Fox and Wolf, and uh, Goliath fights them. They end up crashing uh, through the roof and into what is apparently some sort of midnight swimsuit photo shoot. Wait, did, did they fall back to the twenties? It, it is Betty Page here. <sighs> It's the but best time to have a photo shoot. Yes, a bikini photo shoot with, yes. with yes. a tropical backdrop. At night. In New York City. It's not even like they're outside. And, and so Fox takes one of these models hostage with a gun, which is pretty nuts. Which, yes. which seems like a dumb idea since there's a cameraman right there. Yeah, we, we see this guy literally there's taking pictures of him. A pervy cameraman. There's definitely a lot of gun use by the pack in this. Mm. And now, they are mostly like laser guns. Well, yeah. Yes, but... But, but I mean, that does make sense in context that they are, you know, these high-tech mercenaries. Because mm. they're bad guys. They have guns. Mm. But there's... I forget whether it's from the pilot, but there's definitely a point where Goliath just crushes a pistol in his hand. Oh, yeah, that's got to be in one of the first few episodes. Well, and after the uh, after the episode where Elisa, like, is accidentally shot with her own gun because Broadway's kind of playing with it. Mm -hmm. Oh, I thought one of the gargoyles got shot, too. I don't think so, unless that's much later. Uh, But they make a point of showing him, like, crushing a gun... Every time they're confronted by guys with guns. Oh yeah, it does be. I, I think Goliath does it. Does I, I, do it first, but let yeah, Lexington or Broadway. Yes, all the time. It's very much that Batman the animated series era of good guys are too good to need guns. Yes. You know, th- this is the weapon of the enemy. We do not use it. Wait, yes. the, the lessons of of Vin Diesel. I am not a gun. I am Superman. Oh, I thought the lesson of Vin Diesel was I live my life a quarter mile at a time. Well, that and family, <laughs> but yes. Family. One of the three lessons of Vin Diesel. No gun, M Superman, family, quarter mile at a time. Okay, that's four, I guess. And I guess the other lesson is teaching Judy Dench how to play D&D. Yes. <laughs> and how to kill someone with a teacup. <laughs> Anyway, so Lexington uh, takes down Fox, and then uh, Wolf has a big fight with Goliath, and we get the the classic, like, the big strong guy throws a punch, and then Goliath just kind of catches it in his hand. Yes. Yes. It's like, yes, you are a very strong human. I'm seven feet tall and all muscle. I mean, have you not (laughs) noticed that I sound like Keith David? I'm obviously very strong. Yes. It's like, I'm as strong as Keith David sounds. <laughs> you don't stand a chance. And so they are defeated. Mm. And, you know, they... They have been defeated. You know, they head, they head back to the castle. You know, obviously Lex is very... You know, he's never going to trust anybody again. But, you know, Goliath is pretty sanguine about the whole thing, you know. Hudson 
has learned the lesson that maybe we shouldn't believe everything we see on television. Yes, but, you know, Lexington, you weren't wrong to want to be friends with people. You just have to be, you know, more careful about who you're going to be friends with. Maybe learn some judgment about, like, not being friends with people with ridiculous mullets and metal bras. Maybe don't pick celebrities whose violence is their main profession. (laughs) Yes. But, uh, you know, police detective who basically looks like a Disney princess, you know, she's good people. Yeah. Yes. And yeah, so the pack was indeed arrested, largely because, yeah, Fox was had a bunch of pictures taken well, of her. two of them are arrested because they're in the photos. Ah. I, think the, I think the other three are just out there because they were beat up on a roof. Yeah, There's I There's no proof against them. I vaguely recall it when we see them next, they're all in jail. Well, they so get busted for something else. It's possible they just, like, found them on the roof, like, a day later. Hmm. So now we we cut we cut to Owen. Oh, he's going to see a Xanatos version. We did not mention this before, because we're just seeing it now. But Xanatos has, A, an amazing ponytail. Yes. And B, is voiced by uh, Jonathan Frakes at, his, at the absolute height of his evil, sexy powers. Yes. It's- it's anime Jonathan Frakes. That's what he is. With, with a ponytail. <laughs> I mean, he does kind of look like Jonathan Frakes. Again, with hmm. I think he's a little more tan because I think he's supposed to be Greek in this. I mean, yes. Xanatos, I guess, is a Greek name, well, question well, I mark? Think, well, I think we later meet his father, who's like a Greek fisherman. Hmm. Oh. And, uh... Oh, he was born in Maine, according to Wiki. Oh, you better be careful about those gargoyles there. Oh, wow. <laughs> Jonathan Frakes trying to do a main accent. That would be hilarious. <laughs> anyway, and this this scene here really sets up, you know, before this, you know, we knew that Xanatos was like a, a cunning criminal mastermind. But there are many times on this show when Xanatos will show up in the last scene of the episode and he'll be all, hey, you know that 22 minutes of crazy bullshit you just saw? <laughs> That was all according to my plan. Yes, <laughs> which like is is it? I think it's where here where it starts is like wait really, and then it, throughout <laughs> the entire series, every time he shows up, it just keeps escalating. It's like wait wait you lost, and yet that was well, okay. That wasn't entirely in your plan, but it was in the possible parameters of your plan to set up three other things later, and thus was born the Xanatos Gambit. Listen, yes. am I am I? Am I a super insane genius, or am I just making it all up as I go along? You decide. Yeah, because it, like <laughs> it, it's a thing that that's like it's old comic book and shit. It, that, but that it, when it was finally named, it, admittedly, the, the it, tropes have gone way out of control of naming everything. But it fits so well because he does it so often, and it usually works. So he he he, uh, he, he sent those photographs to the pack. He yes. also messed with the cable in the in the castle so that they could only get the pack. Well, he had Owen do it for him. Yes, because Owen is his unfit. He is the, the sound wave to his Megatron. Yes. And also, he created the pack in the first place. <laughs> yes. Well, he was pitting Pet Project A against Pet Project B. Yes. And seeing who came out on top. Seeing who was worth additional investment and or marrying in the case of Fox. 
And he also, um, and of course, he's also uh, maybe picking his future wife out here. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he, he's always got something on the burner. Oh, I think that was a side thing that just kind of happened. It's like, oh, wait, she's actually competent, mostly. Ooh. Ooh, and hot. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Hmm. Perhaps we would be genetically compatible. And it also turns out that they apparently are both sexually aroused by evil plots. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very compatible. Like, they, like, they're the couple who sees you across the bar and they like your vibe, but they actually want you to steal, like, an ancient scroll for them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, there they, is definitely, like, she's, like, in a wedding dress and she still has the face tattoo because that's actually a tattoo and not just makeup. Yes. That is, that is supposed to be a fox head, although occasionally the animators kind of fudge it. it was, yeah. It's also wrapped it's, on a human face, so it, it's kind of hard yes. to do properly. It's very mm. logo-y. Yes. So, yeah, and that is the thrill of the hunt. That, uh, you know, this this is a really, like, well-crafted, enjoyable show. Yeah. And... It's it's certain the more you watch the more you watch of it the more things pay off. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's very very well constructed. Yeah, because it, it's it's very on par with Batman in the animated series, except Although, for it has more ongoing plots. Right, I mean Batman the series is almost entirely episodic. Yeah, yeah. Like you you had the occasional uh, running plot, but not the way that this does. Hmm. Yeah, this was definitely one of the earliest, like, kids' action shows to just go full uh, serial like this. I mean, certainly... Like I said, and also ExoSwat. Yeah, and also, I guess, the contemporary X-Men and Spider-Man cartoons were very Mm. big on this, although not to the degree that this was. Well, partly because, you know, those were drawing from comic books. Yeah. Trying to make sense of decades-old comic books. Whereas this, we get to make it all up as we go along. Yeah. And thus, this Xanatos Gambot redconning things, it's like, oh, that's why he did that dumb thing. And, you know, decide that actually these characters have a daughter who's been in Avalon for a a millennium, basically. But the time passes slowly there. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, so I would definitely recommend. Uh, really, you can just watch the show from the beginning. It's and it's fairly long, but it, it does reward the long term viewer. You, you don't have to watch all of it the last season. You can just kind of ignore. I'm, I'm, actually, I'm definitely looking to uh, squeeze that into my rotation somewhere. I guess maybe after I finish the Owl House, considering that's oh. very finite at this point. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's. I like I said I was it came out when I was in high school and I was super into it. Uh so it's very good show. I have good memories of it. I'm I do want to see how well they stand up. Well, judging by this episode, really damn good. Yeah. I'm actually watching This was I think I I mentioned when we were planning this that this was the 
the episode that was always like, you know, sometimes when you don't watch a show real regularly, every time you turn it on, it seems like it was, it's the same episode. And this was the episode that was always on. Yeah. The, the, the episode of syndication sickness, like, um, yes. yes, that one episode of, uh, Thundar the Barbarian where they rebuild King Kong robot. <laughs> It's like how whenever I turned it, whenever I caught a random episode of Batman the Animated Series, it was almost always I've got Batman in my basement. <laughs> oh wow! No, for ba- Batman the Animated Series, it was it, that one seemed to be more. It was like um, Captain Clown, uh, oh, yeah. Tiger, Tiger, yeah. or uh, speaking of horny on Maine. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of furries, there was there was there was one other one that it cropped up a lot, but I forget what it was. But I know there's definitely a big movement in the way that these things tend to just be people online talking about stuff uh, to get people watching it on Disney Plus to show that there's an interest in it. Uh, I mean, considering that we're getting X-Men 97, maybe that's actually a worthwhile suggestion. Maybe we have entered a point where these things actually happen. So that's it. Sadly, of course, we're without Ed Asner these days, but uh, yeah, we, we've got the rest of the voice cast. Yes. I know they just brought them all to be on Picard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and yet they never got um, uh, Patrick Stewart. No, he was too, too I, important. I has he ever done voice acting? Ever? He's on that, uh, he's on that American Dad well, well, that's more okay. recent, yeah. though. I think he doesn't. He just play himself on American Dad. I mean, I think he basically plays himself. No, oh, I thought he was literally like Patrick Stewart in that, but I don't actually watch that show. I just see it in passing I mean, on occasion. I mean, I think it turned out to be a thing where they thought that they just couldn't get him because mm-hmm. you know it's Patrick Stewart. But then I think somebody actually asked him, and he was like, "Well, yes, I would have done that, of course." Oh. <laughs> He does have oh. that, he gives that impression of being, like, very dignified and then being like, oh, I love Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> uh. you, oh, you're in a, in a police band. Yeah, so if we can't think of anything else to watch someday, we're probably going to come back to Gargoyles eventually. Yeah, but again, there's other shows that we could do that, too. We yeah. can find a random, pick a random season two episode. Mm. I just want to watch ExoSquad. One of the spoiler episodes. Oh, ExoSquad. We did. No, we haven't done ExoSquad. Oh. No? Although trying to find a really good episode of ExoSquad, I don't remember any specific ones. Except for the very last one, which was like, what the fuck? And also, we don't have Peacock in Canada. I never saw the last episode because the channel that I had syndicating it, like, stopped showing it. With the next to last episode. Oh, that is weird. (laughs) And then I never managed to catch it when it was on USA. Oh. I need to watch that just completely out of context without rewatching any of the rest of it. Hmm. Anyway. All right. So I believe that does it for us for this week. And us, we're not doing uh, your Tokusatsu corner this week. No, because it's a different episode. Also, we're over an hour anyway. We have done so long talking about thirst traps. Yes. Yes. 
All right. So that is it for us for this week. We'll be back next week with a the final episode of the season of Superhuman Samurai Cyberpod. Yes. Well, until the movie comes out or whatever the fuck is next. Yes. The end of Dynasty Nun, anyway. Yes. But until then, you can find us all over there. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. And we have a Patreon. Yes, we are hosted on IaconUnderground.net, where we are set up with a Patreon to help with hosting and other expenses. Uh, that is Patreon.com slash IaconUnderground. Uh, for the month of May, we decided that none of us felt like actually sitting through Morbius. Uh, so, <laughs> actually, no, that was, that was, was May. Well, yeah, that, that was, was the last okay. one. We, did, we decided what? not to watch Morbius. Instead, we watched Morbius in cartoon. You know how you were saying that that we we're like well over an hour at this point. I really need to pee. So <laughs> yes, that's, that's <laughs> just distracted by really needing to pee. So, uh, so for this uh, month, so until- instead of watching Doctor Strange, uh, we have watched the early '90s Full Moon Pictures movie Doctor Mordred. Starring our beloved Jeffrey Combs. It was a lot of fun. Oh, it was. Alright, so until next time, I'm Rob. I'm Jen. And here in New York, I live again. I'm David. 